0: All right, so vocab people. Elizabeth Ross darts from desk to desk across her math classroom inside Monmouth Academy, a small high school near the lakes of central Maine. The roughly 20 students here, from freshmen to seniors, are split up into four groups. Each is learning a different subject. So they're all in geometry, but Sierra's on her last geometry measurement topic. Everyone else has a couple, like three more, and then, Everyone else is in Algebra 2, but I have two groups of them. The other guys finished geometry this year and then started Algebra 2. Ross says long lectures have been replaced with shorter lessons and more individualized instruction, part of a larger shift over the past decade, at the school and statewide, towards proficiency-based education. It's a complicated term that generally means allowing students to progress through their education by mastering specific skills and pieces of knowledge before moving on. For some districts, like here at RSU-2, it's also meant getting rid of traditional letter grades and allowing students to continually retake assignments until they get them right. Math teacher Ross says in her class, the shift allows each student to work at their own pace instead of being forced to keep up with or slow down to their peers. It's definitely more prep, um, you know, getting ready and doing this. And, you know, if I don't have the whole week planned out, And all the group stuff printing, I end up running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But the reward is so much better. Like, you see them meeting those goals and making those adjustments. For more than a decade, Maine has been at the leading edge of the proficiency movement. In 2012, the state was the first in the country to pass a law mandating that all students must demonstrate proficiency in eight subject areas, from math to physical education, in order to graduate. Yet after years of pushback and legislative upheaval over the burdensome new requirements, the state voted last year to repeal the new diploma law. Now schools here stand at a crossroads to continue with a reform they've invested years in or return to a more traditional system. But to understand Maine's predicament, we have to understand how proficiency-based education arrived here. The story begins in 1997, when a new set of standards called the Maine Learning Results prompted a few districts to experiment with aspects of proficiency-based education. Big philanthropies like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who advocated for the new system, were eager to help. But the model got a boost when the state's education commissioner, Susan Gendron, was introduced to a group called the Reinventing Schools Coalition. A remote district in Alaska had formed the coalition after trying the model and finding success locally. With millions of dollars from Gates, it trained other Alaska schools and then went national. Gendron says she saw potential in the Alaska district's data. Clearly the data that showed increased student proficiency, testimonials from kids about how much richer and deeper their learning was. We also interviewed teachers and what was the impact on their facilitation of learning. Gendron introduced the group to state superintendents in 2007. To accelerate the work, the state offered free trainings to six districts at a cost Gendron estimates at $50,000. The funding dried up, but the districts decided to form a group called the Maine Cohort for Customized Learning to continue the work. The organization grew in size, and by 2011, Maine's new education commissioner, Stephen Bowen, was encouraged by the their work, even sending a book about proficiency-based education to every superintendent in the state. At the same time, private groups like the business-led Maine Coalition for Excellence in Education and the Nellie May Education Foundation pushed for a proficiency-based diploma law in Maine's legislature. Bowen says the bill was viewed as an accountability measure to ensure that every student was ready for life after high school. We're just graduating kids who are not being learning stuff Like, we can't There was no point in passing learning results if we're not going to then do everything we can to ensure that kids are meeting those learning results. The law passed with a small boost in state funding, but faced serious questions from some lawmakers. They didn't think the state should impose the new requirements on every district. At the same time, the state offered little guidance, leaving many districts to figure out how to comply on their own. Have a good one, guys. Schools like Monmouth Academy embraced the new policy. The school's outlying district, RSU2, had already been moving in the direction of proficiency-based education for a number of years and received training from the Reinventing Schools Coalition in 2008. Inside one of Monmouth's chemistry classrooms, student Aliyah Wilson sits behind a laptop and slowly answers questions on the screen. The senior is behind in chemistry with only a few months until graduation, but was given this online science program from her teacher to help catch up. This one's setting up a situation to say there's a patient who is sick and needs help, so you're putting together the structure of the medicine that this person is going to take. And I really like how the application to a real-life situation makes me understand it a lot more. Yet, even after more than a decade of work, the school is still trying to solve several issues, most notably around its grading system. Students in the district no longer receive A's or B's, but instead are graded on a scale of 1 to 4. Students must redo assignments until they eventually receive a 3 or higher in each standard. The grading system wasn't required as part of the law, but a recent study found that more than half of Maine's high schools adopted the practice. Longtime Monmouth English teacher Christine Arsenault says she's seen the good and bad of that system. Arsenault feels her students have started to write better because they can no longer graduate with gaps in their learning. But she says the new system has led some students to ignore deadlines and slack off. Some of them just settle for those threes or, you know, by the end of the year, maybe they finally get that three. It doesn't have the teeth that, uh, you know, you would like. So that's and hard. though that's junior Violet Bolio has liked the grading system in high school, she worries about college, where redoing assignments probably won't be allowed. Like, if I don't turn in a paper today, they'll be like, OK, bring it in tomorrow and you'll get the same grade. Just, like, don't, like, don't wait a whole nother week. But in college, if you, like, miss that deadline, then you get a zero. Like, you just, you can't fix it. The school acknowledges the issue and launched a new procedure this year to try to address it. Now, every Friday, students must assess their own work habits, which are then reviewed by teachers. If they're judged poorly, juniors and seniors can lose certain privileges, like getting to leave the campus during lunch. Despite those setbacks, RSU2 officials say they remain committed to proficiency-based education. Other main districts, however, had more trouble. If you drive about 45 minutes northeast of Monmouth, you'll end up at Oakland-based RSU-18. The district was another member of the main cohort for customized learning and also received early training from RISC. Robin Colby, a Latin teacher at the district's Meselonsky High School, says educators found some of the work useful. It helped them align what they were teaching across the district. But new software, practices like student-paced learning, and a 1-4 grading system were quickly unpopular. The new system left some educators exhausted and parents unhappy. So they didn't know where their child should be. Okay, they got all this information saying, okay, got a three in this, or got a two in that, got a... But they didn't know what was on grade level. Where, where should my child be? And they felt that that was really missing. In twenty thirteen, parents launched a petition drive against the new system. Eventually the pushback led the district to leave the main cohort for customized learning and to return to a more traditional system. Jim Isgro is the district's current school board chair. Teachers are the bottom line for us. And if if you don't have a good model working to teach those children and, and teachers that that are able to teach you're not, you don't have any kind of <laughs> you can't. You're not educating your children. The same conflict has since played out across towns like Scarborough and South Portland, which have pulled back on the new grading system after community opposition. By 2015, the issue returned to the state legislature. Political infighting between Governor Paul LePage and legislators left the state's educational leadership in constant flux, with six state education commissioners in as many years. Ed Servone, the executive director of the business-led educational lobbying group Educate Maine, says the lack of leadership hurt the reforms. you got to have a supportive, leading, and functioning Department of Education you know, present to help schools tackle these challenges and achieve these goals. And that's not possible when you have a political war raging by the governor and him putting a new commissioner in every five to six months. Democratic State Senator Rebecca Millette says with no clarity around the law, she began to hear from schools saying a significant number of students might not be able to meet the higher bar set by the new diploma requirements. More serious questions started bubbling up around special education students and another very real possibility there would be a significant number of, of kids who would not be graduating and what did that mean for the state of Maine and, it, and I think that, that was kind of the beginning of everything unraveling. In 2016, the state voted to push the law's start date back a few years. Yet by 2018, lawmakers had yet to solve any of the underlying problems. Several bills were floated to try and fix them. One would have delayed the law. One would have pared down the diploma requirements. Another would have repealed the new diplomas entirely. A public hearing on the bills brought out dozens of parents, teachers, and school officials passionately arguing about how the state should shape its educational future. Lynn Miller, a professor emeritus at the University of Southern Maine, argued that the state had gone too far. We can't dictate in Maine what kind of learning has to go in to schools or what kind of transcript people have to use. We can't do any of that. But Maine Principals Association Executive Director Dick DeRost urged the state to keep the policy after six years of work. We believe too much good work has been done. And too many school leaders and teacher leaders have placed their credibility on the line in the pursuit of standards in order for us to just walk away now. Ultimately, the legislature settled on a compromise. In the end, it was literally saying, okay, there's no longer a requirement to offer proficiency-based diploma, but but allowing the districts to still do it if they wanted to. That didn't make people happy probably on either end, uh, but Oftentimes that's a sign that good work was done. But the compromise has left many schools still unsure about what direction to take. According to the results of a recent survey of school superintendents from the Maine Education Policy Research Institute, about a quarter of districts in the state plan to keep proficiency-based diplomas. Another 40% will return to a more traditional credit-based system. The remaining districts either hadn't decided or were planning a kind of hybrid diploma that would merge the two systems. And Maine's newly appointed education commissioner, Pender Macon, has taken a noticeably different approach than the past administration. Macon, a former principal and assistant superintendent, says she wants to rebuild trust with schools after years of imposed state and federal mandates. People have for a while seen the DOE as the hander down of mandates. And then we'll be back to check and see if you guessed right in our compliance. And and instead, now we're just saying, you know, we are here to help. what do you think is right? The new commissioner suggests going even further than repealing the diploma mandate. She'd be in favor of getting rid of state statutes that mention proficiency-based diplomas. Macon believes that if a school wants to add more graduation requirements, like a proficiency-based diploma, it doesn't need permission from the state. It's confusing and inhibiting to great practice um, to have some sort of additional requirements and The sense that districts need to wait for special approval of various components in order to say that they are providing proficiency-based diplomas. Beyond Maine, there still appears to be momentum behind similar educational reforms. Vermont and New Hampshire have passed their own versions of proficiency-based diplomas, while several other states have added policies encouraging the new system. Chris Sturgis, the co-founder of the organization Competency Works, which provides resources to districts on competency-based education, says she still feels optimistic about the movement nationally. However, she says Maine's experience should be a signal to other states that changing an entire diploma system requires substantial funding, support, and buy-in. In In the same way that Maine gave people confidence when they embraced such a powerful vision for their future, I think the repeal also was like a real reality check for people. It's like, oh yeah, this this is hard. We don't go in straight lines. For now, however, schools in Maine appear to be welcoming the reprieve after years of state-imposed demands. As one superintendent stated in a recent survey, please let local districts do what is in the best interests of their own students without continuous disruption from the state. For the Heckinger Report, I'm Robbie Feinberg.